Hey everyone. Hello. Before we get started this week, we would like to make a quick request of you. We've been getting more listener feedback, which is awesome, and we're going to be covering some of those books in the next few weeks, or realistically on our schedule the next few months. <laughs> Let's just be real there. But it's coming. What we do want to ask of you is that you leave us an Apple Podcasts review. All you need to do is review the podcast on iTunes. It's super simple and it helps us get more visible and reach more people. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hello. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. This week... We're discussing Dragon Song by Anne McCaffrey. There are actual dragon babies in this book. Lots of dragon babies, lots of and baby tiny. dragon babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've never been more on brand, and we're so excited to share it all with you. And they're really, yeah, they're just great dragons, all of them. So, interestingly, Madeline chose this book, although it is a book that she did not have experience with when she was young. I did. Um, but we'd like to start with Madeline giving us a little um, marketing rundown and plot summary. Uh, before, you, before you do that, I want to add my little story about this copy that we have. Oh, I uh, It looks like it was stolen accidentally from Accidentally stole it from my <laughs> school's <laughs> library. It's got a library card. <laughs> and did you also see that on in the middle of the book, there's a big oak stamp? Yes. My school was My grade school was oh oak school. Oh my gosh, right. Um, okay. Yeah, and there's a huge oak stamp on like page 73. And it made me so happy when I saw it and just a flood of nostalgia rushed over me. Yeah. Um, it's stamped a few times, but that didn't deter me. And, you know, it's got the laminated covers and all the telltale signs of you the school library. You didn't even put book. your name on the card. No, no it's one blank. had ever checked it out. So it's fine that I stole it, really. It's for the best. And it it's, makes it's the book now. feel like a prize, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. This book was not bought idly at a bookstore as an eight-year-old. No, it was stolen I, by I, a child. <laughs> <laughs> and most kids don't steal books, so there was never really any kind of repercussions I, I okay let's be real I stole a lot of books from my school library yeah, but it well, was mostly and, like accidental. teachers would like give me a book and say read this and I would never give it back so that said would you care to describe our edition yes um published in 1976 forgot to say that see Go yes ahead. um see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry working on my Spanish dragon babies in espanol uh claro <laughs> um I think that this is one of my favorite covers of any book that we've done. Um, It should be not just a book cover, but an album cover and maybe also... I want it on a poster. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. (laughs) Like those really lushly illustrated posters that are of different fantasy escapes. And her clothes are so cool and she just looks awesome. She has this fiery red hair and this beautiful green tunic and then these like... Big billowy um, parachute pants. Yes, uh, and then she has all of and her. And she, in this uh, description, is mentally mentally the yes. main character. And she has her pipes too. In her, uh, by which I mean like reed pipes. Um, <laughs> A series of smoking. Not pipes. like yeah, obviously. She's got her pipes. This She's book is all about carrying them around with her on the beach. Um, and then she has all of her nine fire lizards laid mm-hmm. out in a circle around her. I love that they're all represented. Frolicking. Yeah. Instead of 
I mean, it could have easily been her sitting with, you know, one or a few of them. But because the whole point of her being so immediately amazing to everyone she meets is that she has so many fire lizards, Mm -hmm. it feels so right that our first introduction to her is the same as what the other characters get in the book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, and then on the back, there's also... Um, big dragons. Yeah, big, big dragons. dragons. Yeah. Uh, with a little tongue of flame I attacking the, the thread or the evil spores coming from the atmosphere. Yeah. Really fun and meshing of fantasy and sci-fi in this book. Uh, but anyways, so 100% A plus. Good job. Yeah, we're in Madeline there. likes it. We'll put the cover up on our Instagram, Twitter, and dragonmaybespodcast.com. Anne McCaffrey's best-selling Harper Hall trilogy is a wonder-filled classic of the imagination. Dragon Song, the first volume in the series, is the enchanting tale of how Menely of Half Circle Hold became Pern's first female Harper and rediscovered the legendary fire lizards who helped to save her world. I feel like you had such gravitas to your voice that I've never really heard quite the same way before. <laughs> it helped that it's... It's such like a tiny little blurb on the back. I love just that like, we get so much room for yes, this marvelous painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no like... it's so richly done. 10 out of 10 says new stars review books new weekly. Face. Yeah, exactly. Before we do the quick plot summary, um, I just want to mention a few things about the circumstances into which this book was released and a little bit about its legacy. Um, Grace like I coming said, in with the research. Grace's education corner. Pull Grace's up a seat, education my friends. corner continues. Yet Madeline's legal corner was kiboshed. It was banned. <laughs> we can't speak of it. Hmm. It was published in 1976, and this was a time when there wasn't very much sci-fi being written for women um, or for young girls at all. Um, and Anne McCaffrey had written a few books about Pern before she wrote Dragon Song, um, but it was more, those books are more about the militaristic survival type history of humankind on the planet, as you okay. get a feel for in that quick, really heavy expositional introduction or forward. I read it like very slowly, like four times. I know, <laughs> it's, like, it's better if you go back and reread it <laughs> after you've read yeah. the book, actually. I feel like you don't need to know it beforehand. Um, And Anne McCaffrey actually always kind of bristled at being classified as fantasy. um, And she felt that it was because she was a woman, that she wasn't being taken seriously as a Mm sci-fi author. She was actually the first woman to win the Hugo and Nebula Awards, um, which are respectively a worldwide sci-fi award and then a U.S. sci-fi award for sci-fi and fantasy. I'm sorry, sci-fi and fantasy. Um, And she helped create like one of the early young adult sci-fi fantasy trilogies with this book. Um, it was initially released as a, so she, she was working on it for a while and working on Manalee's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a new imprint um, that was trying to create more books for young women who might be interested in sci-fi um, talked to her about trying to kind of appeal to that audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, she, it sounds like she already had mentally, like she had the perfect character. Um, and then she just kind of aimed the book toward that group. And um, it was a hit. Yeah. And it's really cool to think about because when you read it today, it doesn't feel to me like it was written, gosh, now 40 years ago. It doesn't feel dated um, at all, actually. Yeah, it feels really contemporary. Yeah. And granted, it is set in a you know medieval-esque 
time. But um, lots of authors still struggle. I know with I yeah not <laughs> breaking out of like using colloquialisms or just like indicators like oh right this book was written in the eighties or whatever you know yeah. And Anne McCaffrey definitely did an amazing job at that. She did a really great job. Yeah. So. Tell us what this book, the first book in the Harper Hall trilogy, is about. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This book is about... It made me really nervous when you opened the book. Are you prepared? (laughs) Did you study? Yes. (laughs) You're going to be like, did you read this? (laughs) So this book is about... Mentally, as Grace has discussed, um, to do a bit of table setting. Uh, Not too much, though. <laughs> this will be a quick summary. I'm really worried now. <laughs> um, this takes place in a world uh, on a planet that's part of a solar system with other heavenly bodies. <laughs> like most solar systems. <laughs> yes, that have some... Uh, things about them that make them very inhospitable because this planet, um, this nasty spore life form um, routinely makes it to this planet's atmosphere and basically kills all organic matter that it comes into touch with, um, including uh, flesh. So it's really Mm -hmm. nasty and they have to watch out for it. And that's where dragons come in because the best way to get rid of it is to torch it. Um, so the dragons are, you know, there's this big. It's basically a dragon based economy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. So that's really awesome. And then Manali uh, is born into a more remote part of the civilization. She is treated like crap by her family, except for her brother, but he doesn't really do anything to help her. No. He just likes her he, like, more. like, won't engage in active abuse against her. Yes, Yet does exactly. nothing else to actually help her or stand up for her. Yes. Uh, and she becomes the new Harper when the old Harper passes away, who is the person responsible for teaching children through song. And uh, everyone... It's it's the basis of their educational yeah, system. Yeah, it's extremely like, that's important. It. Yeah. And her mother and her father really don't like it because they're traditionalists and sticks in the mud and she's a woman and that's not cool. And then uh, the ordained Harper from a larger part. Hold, uh, hold, yes, thank you. Uh, The parts of the civilization, the cities essentially are called holds. There are holds and weirs. Weirs Mm -hmm. are where the dragon groups and their riders live because Mm -hmm. dragons and their riders are inextricably linked um and they their purpose is really only to fight the threat that falls Mm -hmm. from the skies and then the holds provide the farming and fishing and um they basically tithe for to the dragon riders and Mm -hmm. to the weirs so that they get can continue supplies and they can Mm -hmm. keep yeah fighting yes so um mentally is totally not appreciated in her hold Everyone's terrible to her, so she kind of just decides she's going to run away. After the new Harper comes, no one tells him that she was the previous Harper, even though he's supposed to find her and send her to official Harper school, basically, mm-hmm. because he has heard that she's amazing. Um, so she and runs he away. saw the songs that she wrote. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she 
makes friends with an awesome bunch of baby dragons. Like, they're tiny dragons. They're fire lizards. Yeah, it's a different They're related, Mm -hmm. but they're very, very small. She lives in their nest with them. She accidentally gets them all to imprint on her. Impress. Right. That's what... Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm just saying officially in the book, it's impressed. Thank you. It is. Chiming in with something (laughs) annoying. Yes, impressed means imprinted. Um, And that makes her even more special. Grace is making fun faces because people really want fire lizards. They're an important way to get holds, to connect with dragons more and to appreciate how important they are and basically to advance civilization. And they're also kind of newly in vogue. Mm -hmm. Like people are just starting to realize (laughs) that fire lizards have the capability of connecting with humans the way that dragons do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they're suddenly for the first time like, oh, wait, we got to get some fire lizards. Yes. Uh, and Manali <coughs> keeps her sa- keeps herself and her little baby dragon babies safe from thread and feeds them and takes care of them and basically just hangs out oils with them. them. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, oils their uh, delicate lizard scales. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> something that has to be done in yes, this book. It's, it's very important. Um, and then she gets caught out of her shelter during a thread fall. But very luckily for her, she's spotted by a dragon and the dragon's rider. And they take her to uh, a much larger hold, um, which is a weir. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of dragons there. There's going to be a hatching soon. And from there, she just she's basically on a track to finally connect with the head harper and at the very end of the book he locates her and um basically tells her we want to have you aboard because you're awesome yeah and there there is like the hatching takes place in the book and it totally felt to me like there was a lot of plot stuff going on for sequels (laughs) during the hatching um but it was kind of still peripheral to her because she wasn't impressing with a dragon um, but that's where right. the actual dragon babies showed up yeah she's deposited there to watch the hatching mm-hmm. um because she can't walk at that point because she's sustained horrible injuries to her feet because she basically ran her feet into bloody stumps trying to escape from thread um and that's just one of her horrifying injuries that yeah. she sustains in the course of this book um, but yeah, it has a super happy ending. She never goes back, and I love that. Yeah, she's she just never goes like, home. I'm not going home. Those people, which is so appropriate, which is a great story too, because it's it's something that people do in life mm-hmm. when they're lucky enough to be able to break out of the abusive environment right. in which they're raised. They don't go back, and that's good when they find a better place for them. And I think that so many of those stories that are like, blood is thicker than water and family is the most important things thing really overlook abuse and patterns of abuse. And they're harmful. And sometimes you that really message. do need to be separated yes. from your biological family. Mm-hmm. Um, and for mentally, she has been spiritually crushed by them as long as she's lived, every time she thinks she finds a new skill, they convince her that it's not something she should be that doing or that she's horrible at it. Yeah. Um, kind of a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, she needs and therapy. They repeatedly hide her away from anyone who might recognize any of her skill or help her in some way. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I've ever read a running away that was more um, necessary. 
Yeah, when she did it, I was just like, yes, Venali, just get out yeah, of there. Don't not, look back. And it's not super premeditated. She doesn't realize that she's not planning on going back mm-hmm. until she's already left. Yeah, but there's nothing And she realizes there. that the thought of returning is not something she yeah. had really entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she yeah. makes friends with a bunch of magical little tiny hand-sized dragons. Yeah, the fire lizards mm-hmm. are so cute. They all have their own personalities, and yeah. she names them all, and they have their own functions within the story. Not great names, but she is a, a teenager <laughs> who's she creative. She hasn't been allowed to do anything right. creative. Yeah. Um, right, other than what the songs that she comes and up with herself. It made me think she's a teenager, and teenagers name their pets really dumb things. So it's, yeah. you know, it could have been worse. <laughs> and the naming structure in their, in their world is really confusing yeah. and difficult. So maybe yeah. it is better to just go with descriptive adjectives mm-hmm. than like Fnor. Yes. <laughs> or Fnor Lingenter. Yeah, there's, we struggled with the Jürgenstad. names. I will. <laughs> that's my boyfriend's middle name um there's a j in it i will say that uh we tried to make sure we're pronouncing mentally correctly as well as we're um we got those from uh ann mccaffrey's own pronunciation and then there are a lot of other just kind of disputed pronunciations so pronunciation disclaimer out of the way other disclaimer that i should have mentioned before now i have a cold and my voice sounds ridiculous it's not that bad I apologize, but we really wanted to record this and get it out to you guys. If you're going to leave a review or write in for a request, <laughs> please don't talk about Grace's voice. She's very sensitive. Yeah, listen to another episode. My voice sounds a bit better. A bit. It still cracks a lot. Okay, no. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, plot summary completed. On to the next mission, which is... Let's talk about whether Menelie's family is more abusive than they are tied to their traditions. Like at first in the book, they are played as, okay, they live in this tiny corner of a society that's already very survival minded. Mm -hmm. And then they live on the ocean. They're pretty isolated. They, They feel that it's necessary for them to, you know, get enough fish to feed their whole corner of the kingdom. Some of the fish are nasty too. The fish are gross. (laughs) One of them disfigures mentally. Um, sound like trash fish. Yeah, some of them I think are meant to sound the way, but there's also crabs, spider claws. Remember? Oh. What did you think they were? <laughs> did you think they were spiders? Like maybe spiders? Uh, I don't even know what I thought they were. Just like some, for some reason, I thought they were snakes. <laughs> Wow. Okay, let's talk more about this during um, <laughs> PF. Anyways, yeah. Uh, but okay, yeah. So at first, it feels like yeah, they're just they're just trying to do what they think is best, and they think it's safest for mentally to be in a gendered, predetermined role that is that they think is appropriate within their little community. But then, after she goes missing, they do not care. So I actually think they wanted to just be rid of her. I think that she was too different and that they were just like, nope, not into that. Like, that's why it seems more towards because when she wasn't being shamed or harangued, she was being completely ignored. Like she was completely ostracized. Yeah, They didn't want her to exist. Yeah. She was kind of an anomaly that they didn't want to deal with. Even Um, though she had all these awesome skills that... 
are respected in places that are not that far away from the hold. It's not like they're on different sides of a planet. And societal roles aren't gendered on the whole to the extent that they are Mm -hmm. in um, half half circle sea hold. Mm -hmm. That's the name, right? In half circle sea hold. Um, There are female dragon riders, for example. Exactly. Um, And they are very well aware of mm -hmm. those people in the half circle hold. Yeah. And so I thought it was interesting that we get a really clear description of this community from an outsider, which is Elgion, mm-hmm. the new Harper that comes to take the old Harper's place after he dies and mentally is, you know, just hidden gone. from him. Yeah. And then she leaves. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even meet her until the very end of the book. Right. He sees her from a distance mm-hmm. and he hears her singing at one point before she's silenced. Yeah. Um, but then once but she gets really her fire just, lizards, everyone knows who she is. It's such a missed connection throughout yes. the whole book. Yeah. The two of them, they keep coming so close to running into each other. That was one thing that kind of irritated me because that sort of thing makes me absolutely crazy. Um, it reminded me of the end of Ella Enchanted where mm. uh, she is seeing uh, the prince every night, but she's hiding her identity from him and he doesn't recognize her. Grace's finger quoting a lot. <laughs> Going crazy. Um, yeah, that made me a little bit nuts. But also, Elgion is kind of a doofus. Um, he's a doofus. He's a little yeah. thick. I, I'm stunned that it takes him as long as it does to figure out that it was who who the Harper, the replacement Harper had been before I think he came that to he's have, kind have of sealed. He's played as up head up in the clouds, mm-hmm. uh, very focused on his artistic work, but not very, yeah, kind of an absent-minded professor type. Yeah, yeah, but still neg- negligent. And I he's a like. young, I think he's very young. Yeah, he is young too. And he's this yeah. is his first official like Harper assignment, right. so he's got a lot going on. Yeah, And then he also hates it because it's a... Depressing place to live. <laughs> so depressing. Okay, wait. So his description of the half circle seahold community. It would be a challenge to try to broaden the narrow outlook and straighten thinking of the isolated group. He was unable to get the seaholder or his family to even try to rescue a blood relation. Holy cow, like mm-hmm. how does it get worse than that? Yeah. And they also seem kind of irritated with her for presumably leaving and dying. Like, it's just amazing how heartless they are. Yeah. Above that, her mom, Mavi, 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 Mavi. (laughs) Above that, her mom, Mavi, allows her hand to be... To heal badly. To heal poorly. Um, After she cuts it while she's gutting fish. So that she can't play She purposefully allows the hand to scar as much as possible so that Mm -hmm. she won't be able to play music, which is so horrifying. Yeah. That's like some misery nonsense in my mind. It disfigures her. And takes away her greatest joy, Mm -hmm. which... Ugh, it's so outrageous that they won't let her express it the to thing the community. Is too, uh, it, makes, it's, yeah. it seems pretty apparent that she's not really going to get married and have babies right. and do traditional women's right. stuff because she's the youngest daughter. Right. And marriage is kind of rare because it's a bit sparsely populated. So why not let her do something else? It's just They they're, want her they're to they're just... So, be alone and sad. They're so angry that she has a knack for teaching, basically, mm-hmm. and for taking part in the, the educational system Honestly, to the extent like that she does. Pretty ignorant and not 
I, I think they're also bad, though. I think they're evil. I oh, think they're ignorant no. and evil. Yes. Which, is, which was my question. Like, do you just think they're um, backwards, or do you actually think they actively... Think they're both. They're yes. actively okay. harmful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that brings me to our next segment, which is my kind of childhood perception of this book. Um, so even reading it today as an adult, you can probably guess how much of a jam this book is if you're someone who is an outcast or an outsider in any way mm-hmm. um, and feels misunderstood by the people around you. Because usually in books that have a sort of social misfit as the protagonist, they have someone who is on their side or who at least is giving them a smile from time to time and mentally is completely Because alone. the old Harper dies. Before Pederin, Pederin, I don't know, I keep repeating names because I feel like they're going to sound better as I keep saying them, but okay. Before Pederin, the former Harper dies, um, mentally at least has him to spend her days with. And he was kind to her and he's the one who sent to like the Grandmaster Harper and said, yo, yeah, he sent her. I have he sent a, him mentally songs. That a she talented had person here, right. but he didn't tell them that. But she he didn't was a say girl. who it was, which also makes me furious. He's just as complicit in some ways as her parents. Yeah. Like he actually thought that when they got there, everyone would be like, "Oh, it was mentally. Here she is." Like it's so weird to me that in their society, where clearly there isn't like capital punishment for one thing, like to the extent where it seems like there could be a severe penalty for Mm -hmm. for teaching a young girl to be the next Harper. Um, And they are overall pretty enlightened. And they're like I said, like I said earlier, not that steeped in general. So it kind of interpreted. It feels like he was kind of conspiring. And even if it was unconscious, he was very sick. He was very old. And I kind of interpreted it as like the society rubbing off on him. He'd been mm-hmm. in the that tiny little hold with its very traditional things going on for decades. Yeah, I guess it's just weird that he would take her as I know they there do was keep a line that about, about saying how foggy he was at the end. Yeah, and uh, that it sounds like pretty much all the other children in the hold, or all the boys at least, had you know slow fingers or um, fat tongues or all the other insults that they gave him basically um, just like fat they should tongues. be fishermen and nothing else um, Brutal. yeah it's it's depressing for them too it's a horrible place <laughs> the only thing I hope is that mentally find some way to maybe help the other you know youngins there but they all seem pretty hip to the structure of their community so they're yeah okay with it gosh anyway when I was a kid, this book made me so happy and it made me feel so fulfilled because I started reading it at a time in my life when I really didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like an outcast at school and the only people I talked to were my teachers. Um, I remember the classroom I stole this book from. <laughs> it was one where I was really just like, keep it to myself. And yeah, would yeah my teacher would mm-hmm. give me books to take home to read and that was pretty much my only interaction. Um, and realizing how, uh, you know, I was going to make it through. I was in a family for one thing that encouraged me and my, you know, even my like weirdnesses that might turn out to be gifts of some kind, Mm -hmm. like wanting to read and write all the time. Our artisticness was definitely encouraged. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, being in a family where not only are you being forced to ignore your creative 
instincts, but even in a, you know, casual way and can't even hum while you're working. Right there. Um, And anytime she shows any inclination towards music, someone's like she's not working hard enough make her work more and then she'll forget about the things that make her happy <laughs> Which, yeah it's really upsetting it's so horrible it's awful there's so much gaslighting like they're constantly trying yeah. to convince her that she's worthless mm-hmm. and that she's untalented and that she's just annoying everyone and just a drag on everyone basically mm-hmm. um it's and yet at the same time when she does go off on her own i'm so impressed by all her survival skills like she builds her own pottery to use to cook and she right. makes her own She's oil to put on, on the dragons she can fish she can catch spider claws she can forage she can find the she greens really only runs into a problem when her shoes start to wear out because she's like she's oh man i can't tan leather in this game and she's physically strong and she's really fast yes. mm-hmm. she basically is like the total package but she's awesome no one, no one recognizes that in her, and I think we really see some of the trauma that she's experienced from her upbringing once she is at uh, Bend and Weir, and someone offers to foster her. Fostering is mm-hmm. a practice that's used to bring children from one hole to another, kind of to help prevent um, the genetic pool from becoming, yeah. yeah, from becoming too to uh, improve similar. the gene pool, yeah, um, and then a bunch of different adults want to foster her and, and she responds with panic and she's really freaked out. Yeah. And, and at the end of the book, even when she has found the very person who she needed to see the mm-hmm. master Harper, they, the master Harper and the other, um, the dragon riders and the other higher ups in the community say, you know, they say, okay, we have to be really careful in approaching her because she has been through it mm-hmm. and she is very hesitant to show any of her skills around another person. And ultimately they have to kind of trick her into doing it, which made me a little uncomfortable. I didn't love that scene at the very end. Um, when they start playing one of her songs on Mm -hmm. the harp to kind of induce her to sing it. Um, and she's uncomfortable and confused because she's been so ashamed of, her creations for so long, but I, I do get I that it's okay a means it. to an end. Yeah. And I love that all the fire lizards oh start my gosh. singing. I, <laughs> that makes me so happy that her tiny little lizards, you know, they're just tiny little dragons and they're literally perched on her shoulders and like curled around her singing with her in whistles. This book would be an amazing movie. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Difficult. But uh, but it would be possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really fun to reread. I definitely still feel the motivation and encouragement from the way that mentally handles your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I can apply it to my adult life as well as my no, absolutely self. Um, yeah. So sorry, it's kind of one sided because I'm just talking no, about that's me. Okay. But I think this is so important for kids to read, especially mm-hmm. if they're artistic. I also really yeah. like the approach to music in this book, which is that if you're musically inclined, like it's inside you and it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. You can't really stifle it. Yeah. Um, and there's many different ways to engage with that talent. There's not yeah. just one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just really want to hear some of Mentally's songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish they would. Well, I interpreted they might, they the little written. Maybe Anne McCaffrey worked with someone to write the music. I figured all of the little yeah, blurbs at the songs. beginnings of the chapters, yeah, were her songs. I want to hear the music. Yeah. 
Anyway, the next two books in the series take place at Harper Hall, where Menelie goes to live and grow up. Um, so there's a lot more music in those. Hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that brings me to kind of talking about the narrative structure a little bit. Um, this is an interesting book. It switches back and forth from different people's heads, like in the same sentence. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of perspective sentence shifting. To sentence, yeah. Um, and there's not really any limit to whose head it pops inside. Yeah, the, and the path that Mentally takes is pretty unique, I would say. Um, like we get the kind of Cinderella, like unappreciated, trapped in a horrible situation beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she runs away and is just living in just the wild for some time. Just her little with fire, her fire lizards, lizards sleep on her and keep her warm. Just feeding them crabs she feeds all them the time. Snake crabs <laughs> during the day. And, um, and then she's brought to a community that she's better suited for and meets for a whole crew of new fun characters that are in the following books. Um, and uh, comes into herself, mm-hmm. but it's really like she's a side character at the in the later part of the book. Yeah, whereas because there's it's so really much focus going on in the beginning. But then we're really just learning more about how the weir functions and, and she's about the becoming a part writers. of this world. That's how yeah. I felt. It was it was kind of integrating her into this much larger plot instead of before she'd been totally isolated from it. So she hadn't yeah. engaged with that at all. It's also interesting that this book, um, while the the entire survival of their world depends on this bond between the dragons and the riders, we actually don't really learn that much about that bond. We learn a lot about fire lizards mm-hmm. and humans, which is seen as something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many different fascinating concepts introduced, like the between yeah. um, and traveling through both space and time. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely understand why the series of books about Pern, the Dragon Riders of Pern, was so vast and mm-hmm. complex. There's a lot of stuff in between the lines in this book. And that's all, that's also really fun. Like yeah. I, I liked mm-hmm. that our hands weren't really being held through a lot of things. I had to kind of figure out what happened to Brecky. Um, oh, yeah. Like why mm-hmm. she lost her mind, but I, I, think I, I think I got it in the end. Well, it's because her dragon died. Well, but... but it also had to do with like the fight of the two dragons because they were both trying to mate at the same time, but like she and the other rider were also on the dragon. So I thought maybe they were also injured. And then oh. I also was like, wait, they mate with people on them. And then I had to think about it for a while. Uh, I thought it was just because her dragon died, period. Okay. So after I had finished reading the book, I went and looked back at the introduction because I wanted to see if there was anything specific about the dragon and dragon rider bond. Mm. Um, And the foreword says, men and women with high empathy ratings or some innate telepathic ability were trained to use and preserve these unusual animals, partnering them in a lifelong and intimate relationship. So it does lend credence to her dragon died so she lost a part of herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, kind of continue to function. Mm -hmm. But then she doesn't impress on another dragon but mm-hmm. the process of trying to heals her well, it's because that was also where i was a little that maybe i just someone's wasn't thinking about fire it like, lizard interrupts yeah and i thought it was maybe brecky's fire lizard and saying that, you already have that it was her fire lizard yeah, yeah so they were so saying you already have jolting me. her into this yeah. awareness of yeah Okay, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Thank you for explaining mm-hmm. it to me. I was well, being I mean, too... Uh, that was just my conjecture. I don't know. He was being too, like, 
hard on that scene or something. But the hatching was really interesting, mm-hmm. and I liked that yeah. the boy who saved the dragon um, now has to become like a leader. Everyone was <laughs> really like, Jackson. He's like, <laughs> he's the heir, and he just became a dragon rider. Yeah, yeah it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, dragon riding sounds really cool. It's terrifying. I, Oh, I think it sounds amazing. Yeah, like, no, definitely. And but also something that was so different about this book and other books with dragons that I think we've covered or that I've read too, are that sometimes you can't tell if a dragon or a human is being detailed in, you know, a sec- section of text. Mm. Like, I feel like humans and dragons are treated so similarly. Because the dragons are extremely intelligent. Yeah, and, and that makes sense because they're partners. Mm-hmm. It's it's not Have really personalities a master and... over another. Right, yeah. And not, I like that it's not. dragon rider, not mm-hmm. dragon boss or yeah, mm-hmm. dragon master or dragon king or something like that. It feels pretty equal in a lot of ways. Even the fire lizards are kind of cat-like in the mm-hmm. way that they kind of do what they want. Like yeah. You can train them to um, help you and be helpful but they're always gonna be kind of free spirits and they were just a kind of rumor sort of a myth for many years because they can go between and I put between in quotes because between is the sort of other plane of existence that you go to if you want to travel quickly through a great distance or travel through time yeah a wormhole yeah it's very it's cold and dark and like it's nothing Mm -hmm. but you're you yes, use it to travel. It. And Dra- the dragons fire lizards can use can it, do it and too. fire lizards yeah. can use it, right. Mm-hmm. And fire lizards, whenever anyone would get close to seeing them or possibly touching one of them, can go they between. just snap into mm-hmm. the between. Which made it yeah. difficult for people to find them. Yeah. <laughs> and every and all the adult the adult men have like their they spent, you know, a lot of time when they were kids trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to capture fire yeah. lizards and stuff like that. And um, I I worried about the fire lizards a lot because I I wasn't totally sure whether or not they could go between. So when Menly was rescued and taken to the big hold, I was really worried that that her fire lizards wouldn't be able to find her or that they would have gotten hurt by the thread. And I was really stressed out. But they say early on that they go between. Yeah, but they didn't actually all show up for a while. And then finally they all did. But no, and then I had a bad dream. Oh, my God. about <laughs> I had a bad dream about being oh, I was stuck in this like terrible defunct train station with my two cats and I didn't have a carrier or leashes for them or anything and they were just wandering around and I was really nervous that I was gonna lose track of them wow it's <laughs> horrible but, so I was worried about the little have you recovered from the book lizards. No. I'm okay now I'm okay okay good um because they were so sweet, and I just was really worried that something bad would happen to them, but everything was fine. They could look after themselves. So one thing I was going to say is, in thinking about this as sci-fi versus fantasy, um, versus YA, versus adult, I don't know, all the labels. Um, the evil. Anne McCaffrey worked with a reproductive biologist and an astronomer when she was writing the Pern books. She really wanted them to be okay, grounded. Because I thought that they seemed very... Yeah. I mean, Pretty obviously, science fiction has to have some mm-hmm. kind of attachment to reality or it'll just be fantasy, yeah. Right, and when I... 
I don't know. One way that I try to identify fantasies is kind of my personal litmus test is saying to myself, is there magic? Is it magic or is it science? Right. And in this book, I don't think there's magic. No, it's all science. Yeah. Um, between even, like you said, it's similar to a wormhole. Like it, it correlates with concepts mm-hmm. in our own world. And Pern is actually, um, it, it supposedly exists within uh, like our own universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and humans from Earth traveled there to colonize it. And another interesting thing that kind of sets it apart from... Also, where's the ship? Because I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't. Definitely don't want to live in a half circle hole. I don't want to live in a half circle hole. I just want to be a dragon rider. Another thing that sets this book apart from more traditional fantasy is there's no. Whenever there's overt involvement, not just a a faith, but overt involvement mm-hmm. by those deities in the humans' affairs, yeah. then it's like, oh, okay, this is fantasy. But in this book, do they even? say anything about religion no yeah no it's all like it's not only a dragon-based economy but kind of a dragon-based faith too Mm -hmm. i mean everything even the songs that they learn everything circles around providing for the dragons and the dragon riders Mm -hmm. um making sure that you know you're doing your part to help the society Mm -hmm. um it's interesting what like what would you label this societal structure it's not socialism. No, it's not socialism, but it's, I think it's. But it has some socialist tendencies. Well, I think it's more towards. It's not feudalism either, even though it also has some of that structure. I think it's more towards communism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then also with it's, you know, a barter economy. Right. But it's sci-fi. (laughs) Translate to our own world. Yeah, because it's not there's not really too much of a class system because that Mm. would get in the way of survival. Really, something that's pretty remarkable is that people really gain leadership roles through their own intelligence and their own empathy. It's meritocracy. Um, which is how it should work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And like, it's cool that Although, with the exception uh, of some of the more isolated spots like Half Circle, Seahold, um, the, everyone seems to be operating pretty much in harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretend food. Pretend food. Okay, I won't sing. No, you can sing. No. I was going to start talking. Do you want to sing a little pretend food song? No, I'm, that was my... So my new <laughs> my new question I ask myself when considering pretend food is, did reading this book make me hungry? Because I feel like most of the time that indicates there's something pretty good going on. Um, it can also mean that someone is like starving and yeah. alone in the wilderness. So it doesn't always necessarily mm-hmm. translate to goodies. Um, but I was into some of the food in this book, um, even though it's pretty simple and straightforward. It's largely Sustenance food, largely fish based mm-hmm. <laughs> until we get to the second half of the mm-hmm. book Meat. or, you know, ocean creature yeah. based um, seaweed. They also have uh, a variety of herbal remedies um, that sound pretty intriguing to me, mm-hmm. like the numbweed, as well as what basically amounts to a sleeping potion because it puts mentally out um 
Yeah. Okay. So from the start, some of the things I wrote down were the greens. Yeah. There's that, like uh, claw, claw. What? Claw. 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 Yeah. <laughs> claw, which is Malak. Yes. From Hero yes. The Crown. It made me think of Malak. Pretty much Malak? a different version of that. Yeah. I don't know. We Malak. we decided that. Yeah. We had trouble with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the concept of claw and I love this pattern that we're seeing of a made-up coffee mm-hmm. substitute that's in different That sounds even better than universes. coffee, because it why not? so much better than coffee. Right, because, of course, it's better than coffee in our minds, because... Well, I mean, I like coffee a lot. I, I Grace just can't, can't drink, drink coffee, coffee so, so she needs to... It makes to, me sad. I do love coffee. To, to come up with a <laughs> reason why yeah. she could hate it. Although these, both Claw and Malik are probably caffeinated, because they, everyone is obsessed with them. Yeah. They got something um, going on in them. Yeah, loved the approach to Claw and um, Medellin, even when she's living in the wilderness, finds a claw tree yeah. and makes it for herself, a sort yeah. of rudimentary version of it, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this girl gets it. Also, the use of wine in the book is super funny mm. um, because Medellin gets drunk on two glasses. And she just doesn't drink. Cause she's, yeah, yeah she's, and she's so thin. And mm-hmm. yeah, it must have just gone immediately to her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets all hiccupy and she has to be carried everywhere at that point because her feet have been destroyed. <sighs> I'm so but glad that she found people who cared about her and helped her. I know. And they really, from the moment they meet her, feel beholden to her Mm -hmm. which shows that she is a really I mean we know that she's an appealing figure but Mm -hmm. it shows that she's endearing to the people in her world as well um yeah so great beverages uh the spider claws I'd like to um check in with you on so why did you think they were snakes because she was always going down to the rocks of the water to (laughs) gather them they were like scuttling around (laughs) things like that oh no and Madeline then it said the cave was full of shells (laughs) after they after the fire lizards ate them i thought of okay i should revise i, I meant like oh. snakes slash millipedes I oh. Some, <laughs> oh no for some reason i thought they had like a and lot of Medellin legs was eating them raw too i don't know she does what she needs to do to survive <laughs> These people eat toxic fish that like oozes <laughs> slime and poison uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what I thought they were. But I guess, yeah. Oh, that's fine. Okay, um, now I see that they're crabs. <laughs> that the horrifying <laughs> monster bugs that I thought they were. Yeah, and they're what mentally feeds um, her new little dragon yeah. babies on her fire Little dragon babies! Um, because as soon as they impress on someone, they expect that person to just feed them until mm-hmm. they're able to fly and get their own food and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when they are when they hatch, thread is falling from the sky, so they yeah. cannot leave the mm-hmm. cave. Yeah. Um, which so is she why, saves them by yeah, feeding them. Yeah, she, and after she already saved them once by moving the, the eggs, eggs into the, eggs the cave from the beach yeah she's just like triple fire lizard hero Mm -hmm. and savior um of course they impressed on her yeah and i'm uh i'm kind of inadvertently doing badass lady meter in the middle of pretend food where what's happening to me? do we have any more pretend food um the the seaweeds or like the the coast, purple grass. Coast sounded nasty and slimy. Yeah. I mean, pretty much anything you're getting to eat at Have Circle Sea Hold is <laughs> it's not going to be interesting. Grim. And th- at that point, too, that's when mentally is having to take care of, like, the <laughs> disgusting, <laughs> the disgusting old man. <laughs> like, 
gotta be one of the most brutal jobs. Even the candy that she gives him sounds disgusting. Yeah. It's like balls of chewy, slimy. Gums up your mouth yeah. so that you can get it to speak. Yeah. So he's also being abused in his own way. I mean, yeah. <sighs> um, because Mentally's terrible sister doesn't want to do the job. Her sister sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's, you know, there's a few good feasts in this book, which I always appreciate. As and you, there's a lot and if of, you want some feast action, check out our Redwall episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of meat that gets speared and offered to the fire lizards, mm-hmm. and you get to imagine them really cutely, like, taking it with their little paw, like, yeah. like a raccoon or something, and then nomming it. We never get a lot of details about what the the actual big dragons eat, do we? I'm curious about that. No, they I remember must need a lot of food. Yeah, that's why. That's the reason for the tithing. Right, that's right. why they send them. I think they eat meat, so that's mm-hmm. why they're like fishing so much and sending them like the shipments of that. But it did say, and we also know that they eat the rocks that, or they chew them. I guess yeah, that allow them to produce fire. <laughs> they're not <laughs> gorons, grays. Maybe they are. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, because that's another way to not make it a magical element. Yes. To make mm-hmm. it science-based. Because the dragons are... That's interesting. You know, genetically bred. Right, yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is, it does say they eat rarely, mm-hmm. but when they do, they eat a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> doesn't, yeah, doesn't talk a lot about what. But I think they, they eat... I think she says living red meat. So, mm-hmm. like, beef and... Yeah. Like snatch up cows while they're yeah. I remember them. there is one part where there was like they could hear hoofed mammals mm. being upset because yeah. they were getting Ooh. snacked on. Yikes! Yikes! Let us know what your favorite fantasy coffee is. I had no idea what you were <laughs> gonna say. What your favorite <laughs> dragon eating story is? Yeah. <laughs> what was the last time you heard a dragon chowing down? <laughs> I mean, honestly, we want to know that too. What Send us an like? email: dragonbabiespodcast at gmail dot com. All your dragon related stories, snacking stories, needs. Okay, pretend food is over. <laughs> We've already, I'm declaring it. <laughs> it has been declared. I'm being very official this episode. I don't know why. The gold meds are clearly going yeah. to my head. Badass lady meter. I mean, Mentally is our queen. She kills it throughout this entire book. Yeah. It is astonishing the things she accomplishes, the least, of, not least of which is keeping her life going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Preventing herself from dying in a hole slew of ways but then also not allowing her spirit to be broken because yeah. I'm, I'm honestly amazed that she isn't more emotionally destroyed by the time she gets to um bend and weir she has a very strong spirit and she's she really really smart she's so smart she's so strong she's so resourceful mm-hmm. like these are all um just personal strengths that i aspire to and um yeah, I think she's really motivating for for all of us humans. Absolutely. And all of us fire lizards, too. Are you a fire lizard? You said us. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'm just <laughs> using the royal we. I didn't think about my ratings, so I'm going to have to pull it out Me of neither. my booty. I give her the uh, strength, cunning, camaraderie, joy... Of nine fire lizards. I was gonna say, <laughs> I give her a hundred fire lizards she can teach to drive. 
All right. <laughs> Closing that segment. What's yours? That was mine. Oh. <laughs> I'm really excited to read the next book, which is called Dragon Singer. Dragon Singer. And yeah, let me know if, if you guys check it out and whether you prefer it to Dragon Song. Um, this was really the only um, Anne McCaffrey book that I read multiple times when I was young because we just didn't have the other ones. And as we've covered, I stole this one. So I've I've been seeing this book on the shelf for I mean, it's since been around since, it I, since I was house. like nine. I so always yeah. thought it was an adult book. I thought it was one of those ones that if I asked mom, I could read. She'd be like, "No, yeah, it does <laughs> almost look kids. like it might have sexy stuff in it." I think it's not because of the characterization of mentally, but the style of the painting. She looks a lot older than she is. In yeah, the she looks. Too. She looks, uh, you know, more buxom and feminine. older enough to be sexually um, active. Yeah. yeah. So. And it's just but, because she looks so... But trust us when we say, there is no sexy no, stuff in this no book sexy. at all. It is appropriate, really, for all ages, as long as it's they can not read. a child is going <laughs> to... <laughs> uh, make sure they can read first, you or you're just going to stress them out. It's going to be really annoying. You it's got to be written in a language that they speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> uh... Anne McCaffrey, RIP, sadly, uh, she died in 2011, but I urge you to seek out her other books, check, pick Dragon Song back up, pick out, pick out Dragon Singer, Uh, (laughs) losing it. What's happening? I don't know. Um, Yeah, and let us know what you think. Let us know what you thought of this podcast, of our other podcasts, of these books. You can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just fill out a form on our website, DragonBabiesPodcast.com. We're on Instagram at DragonBabiesPodcast and Twitter at DragonBabiesPod. P-O-D. Madeline. I'm dancing to the music. Do you have any closing words? Thank you for taking this journey with us. I hope that you all have metaphorical fire lizards in your own lives. Yeah. Thanks. I'm Grace. And I'm... Melon. Until next time. Bye.